This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. After the highs of Arsenal and that last minute Damari Gray winner, we have the lows of Crystal Palace. It's a podcast none of us really want to be doing, but here we are today. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, joined next to me by Adam Jones and virtually by Dave Prentice and Gavin Buckland as we discuss the defeat at Crystal Palace and the ramifications that could come for Rafa Benitez. Adam, you were our man at Selhurst Park yesterday with Phil Kirkbride. Sum it up for us. Yeah, wasn't great, Sam. Was not great. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it was kind of just Everton reverting back to type, wasn't it? You know, we talked in last week's podcast, you know, yeah, after the Arsenal game, after the high of the Arsenal game, we were talking uh, crucially about how much confidence and momentum Everton will be able to take into this match against Crystal Palace. Let's be honest, Crystal Palace haven't been on a great run of form themselves. I think they've lost three straight games. So, you know, it, Everton would decide essentially with the momentum behind them, weirdly going into this match. But they kind of just... They, they they made they made it seem like that Arsenal game was an outlier in their in their really poor run of form rather than actually them turning the corner, which is what we all wanted to see. They just <laughs> completely reverted back to type from the first couple of minutes. You could see the Crystal Palace were going to be the team on for the majority of the game. I think Everton showed them too much respect. They were passive in multiple areas of the pitch. I think the system was wrong. I think the personnel inside that system was wrong as well and it all just kind of amalgamated into this just absolute mess of a yeah. performance to be honest it, it was yeah we, we i think you always get recency bias with these sort of things and you go oh that was that was one of the worst performances of the season and you know maybe perhaps sometimes we've said we've said that when we haven't actually meant it but genuinely i do think that was one of the worst performances of the season apart from rondon's goal and that chance that Anthony Gordon missed, Everton just really didn't threaten that first half in particular. Everton did just absolutely nothing at both ends of the pitch. I've never seen a team set up to be, you know, compact defensively and hit his side on the counter-attack and fail so miserably at that. Everton weren't compact, they weren't solid, and they had absolutely nothing in the counter-attack either. It was just, it, it, it like, I think a mess is probably the only way I can... I can really describe it on a on a family podcast, to be honest. So <laughs> I'm going to leave it there and let the other lads kind of join in. Dave, if if you kind of consider that Arsenal, in a way, it couldn't have went any better. You know, coming from a goal down, a, a brilliant last minute winner, Goodison Park rocking. You know, looking at that yesterday and and some of the chance coming from the away end, it it couldn't have went any worse for Rafa Benitez. It was horrible, wasn't it? He, he was asked pre-match about uh, momentum and the uh, sort of the importance of momentum, and then seemed to set us up to take all momentum away. Really, it was uh, you know trying to trying to be compact and you know sort of hit Palace on the counter, which, as Adam said, you know paid them far too much respect. I mean, this is a team that's you know, not won in four or five, was it? Drawn three in a row, and you know were there really not not to be got at, but there to be taken advantage of. And, and we just didn't. It was, I thought the first half performance at Wolves was worse, but this wasn't much, you know, so far behind that, to be honest. 
And it was, it was just, it was just horrible. Um, I did say on one of these pods so a while ago that we probably need to get used to the fact that things are going to get worse before they get better. But I didn't think it was going to get quite as bad as this. I mean, it's been a horrific run, hasn't it? Absolutely horrific. And especially one bright spot, and that was on Monday night. And a thoroughly deserved result and a really good performance. But then almost like reverting to type, like you say, uh, again on, on Sunday. It was just, it defied belief, really. And yeah, there were mistakes galore, uh, which contributed again. Um, you know, I won't name names. In all Why shouldn't we? You know, so the skipper, Seamus Coleman, is having a really bad run at the moment. And, uh, you know, so two high-profile errors again, you know, so which cost us, okay, exacerbated by Damari Gray, of all people, you know, so tossing in another, you know, sort of ridiculous mistake. And there were moments in the second half, you know, obviously scored one goal and, you know, Anthony Gordon, with his effort, which was a little bit unfortunate, to be fair, because, you know, just missed Rondon's, you know, so coming in, his rush. Townsend as well with a shot you should have scored from, to be fair, uh, but, but didn't. So there were moments, but you can't really cling to them because Palace had much more. They have far more moments and, and deserved the win, you know, so quite comfortably. So where you go from here, I don't know, because we need unity, you know, we need support, we need everybody to pull together, and it's not happening because, you know, clearly we've got a manager in place uh, that a number of fans clearly don't want and never wanted in the first place and he's fallen out with too many players now as well so it's it, it's it's a mess i don't really know where we go from here apart from stamford bridge on thursday oh my god gavin both we're we're five minutes into the podcast and, and both adam and preno have used the word the term a mess can you can you offer any of your usual optimism I knew as soon as you were standing there, Sam, and you're exactly where this is going to end up, you know, <laughs> with, with, with some vain attempt by yourself to get me to be optimistic for the change. Um, I, I just I, want the, the, the view from the Buckland. The, the, I tell you what, my, my afternoon was summed up when I, I, I took great time preparing myself in the pub. Good uh, spec, time down, bottle of wine for Mrs. B, coke down, all that type of stuff. And then we said, then he said, we're going to have to move you. We forgot to put the, uh, the big screen down from the, the ceiling. So then got chucked in the corner with a card <laughs> dally, uh, which, to be fair, <laughs> in favour, uh, to be yeah. fair. Uh, that's uh, to sum my day up. So I don't know if that was a benefit or uh, something that went badly wrong. Um, yeah, I can have only add to it. I, the, the only thing I'd say is, I thought we'd, I thought we'd best. Better yesterday than what we heard of Brentford. It's just awful at Brentford. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last 20 minutes, but to me, it was the setup of the team, wasn't it? Really, I mean, we've been set, people have been saying 4 3 3. So we ended up more like 4 2 3 1, didn't we? Really? Um, but we didn't have the personnel in the midfield to play 4 3 3. You know, Delph holding, yeah, okay, but he's too old, isn't he? Not fit enough to core, not fit enough to do the box, the box roll. And Ante Gomez may be many things, but he's not a playmaker, is he? And um, once you've got that mix wrong, we, we just got sacked all over the place, didn't we, in the midfield in the first half, especially, um, and left our full-backs vulnerable. And I can only add to what Preno said to me. Uh, it's a wider discussion point, maybe, for another day, but I have real problems with Coleman at the moment. Uh, I do feel sympathy for him, but it's all body language and as so for that third goal, not exactly cool thinking by the skipper, was it really? Um, 
he appears to be burning a short fuse, which is probably down to frustration with his own form. But just wondering, that has to transmit itself to the team, doesn't it, really? Your captain's having a bad time and he's the leader on the pitch side. Then that doesn't really, you know, help the team, does it, as a whole? And I do think there's a discussion to be had to say, as Benitez has to say, Seamus, you've got enough struggle with you problem struggling with your form at the moment. I perhaps need to look at maybe somebody being skipper in the short term. That's my answer. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't I, I in the short term, yeah, at least I just don't I just don't see how that Seamus's poor form as skipper is benefiting the team whatsoever. Looking at that team though, yeah. who who else will be captain? The, well, that's, that's, what, that's what the next pointer was going to say, was, well, who else would you be skipper? Would really, you know, who, who else would you, you know, I know position on the pitch, maybe even language comes into it, you know, but I have a real problem with Seamus. I've got sympathy with him, but he's just woeful yesterday. Yeah. woeful and contributed to two, two goals clearly. And it's just... You know, it's just that he's a skipper. We should be players should be looking for him. I think of Phil Neville. Players, players, you know, big characters still look up to Phil Neville. You know, and he would lead. And I, Seamus, I just don't, I don't get it at the moment. And um, that's where we've got a major problem in, for me. Him being a skipper whilst being in atrocious form and. Questioning whether will he ever? I think there's improvement there, but he's certainly not going to be Seamus Cole in the five six years, though, is he? And um, I just wondering whether if I was the manager, I'd be maybe looking to do slightly different approach. Was you looking to dive in there, Dave? No, I was just going to repeat something that we've said previously on um, on this podcast about the lack of leadership potential in the squad as a whole. You know, we've talked for a long, long time about the lack of, you know, potential leaders uh, on the pitch. And, you know, Seamus does that role. I mean, he did it very well on Monday. You know, we talked earlier in the week about him, you know, encouraging and exhorting Damari Gray and the way he spoke to him after the game. But, you know, clearly when your form is suffering, which it is, you know, I totally accept that, you know, maybe taking that responsibility away from him, you know, so it may help. But there's nobody else in that squad, is there, that you'd look at and say, well, he's the obvious choice then. I mean, you throw a name at me, I can't think of anybody that you would absolutely, you know, sort of give that that role to that be wouldn't have a detrimental effect. Michael Keane, you'd think, well, you know, you know, he's playing okay at the moment, but you don't want to, you know, lumber him, you know, so with more responsibility and see how that, you know, sort of, you know, affects him. Decore, maybe, I don't know, has he been there long enough, really? Has he got enough about him to be a skipper? I, I don't know. Uh, but it just underlines once again, you know, so in the past we've had three or four leaders in the squad. We have very, very few at the moment. And, um, well, to use that word again, it's a mess. I generally I generally hate the idea of goalkeepers as captains, but I think Jordan Pickford's probably the standout yeah. candidate for me as yeah. Everton's next captain, which I think is probably, you know, encapsulates the issue that you guys are talking about, really, because I, I don't think, in general, goalkeepers do make good captains, but he seems to be the one who's leading from the back, which is, which, is, which is madness, isn't it? You'd say if he was fit every week, you'd think Mina would probably yeah. 
the yeah. um, chosen one. And I, that's who I'd prefer um, because he's a centre-half. I think he's got the personality. Uh, but that's no good to us if he's only playing less than half the games, isn't it? And, and mm-hmm. this this point, I, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying Seamus is a terrible captain. What I'm saying is, if you've got enough problems with your own form, you don't want, as Dano says, you know, place the burden of captaincy on top of that person as well. You just want to say, just play your own game, look after yourself. You know, we will give that job to somebody else. And I think uh, I think it's a, a conversation worth having, but I just as I say, it's, it speaks volumes, doesn't it, for the, the team and there's not the outstanding candidate, you know, which I think is, you know, again, that's back to recruitment, isn't it, and things like that. We move back to pre-match, Adam, and, and one member of the squad who I think was part of Marco Silva's leadership team, one of the occasional, a man who has captained Everton in the past, in fact, Luca Dean, omitted mm. from the squad again against Arsenal. He leaves him out, Everton win. Ben Godfrey puts in a good performance. It all kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Now real questions have to be asked. The, the big question for me, I think, is that, you know, are we putting our eggs into the basket of Benitez, who could then potentially be sacked and in the future leave the club? Or are we are we willing to let a, a player who you know he hasn't been in the best of form this season, but still one of the better left backs in the Premier League? It, it became a really interesting situation. Yeah, it's, it's just an issue that Benitez didn't really need, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it, it's hard to it's hard to go really in depth on it without knowing. Exactly what's been said between Dean and Benitez, you know, at least publicly, both of them have come out and they've tried to play down the sort of feud. Uh, Benitez's uh, comments pre-match were seeming to suggest that if Dean was continuing to do what he's currently doing in training, then he'd he'd uh, sort of earn his place back in the squad and hopefully back in the uh, back in the side pretty soon. Which I, th- I suppose he's kind of got to say that, hasn't he? Really coming up yeah. to a busy festive period, I'm sure he can't be. Seem to be leaving out, you know, well, a fully fit player, let alone one of Everton's best fully fit players if he's on his game. Uh, and, you know, looking at the performance yesterday, I think Godfrey did do quite well on a, on an individual basis in a, in a lot of respects. You know, he got forward all right. He played really good cross into the box in the first half, particularly, which Andre Gomez maybe should have done a little bit better with on the volley. Uh, I think he, he had a couple of nice, nice tackles getting back as well, but... I think the, the the main issue with playing Godfrey there was then the positioning of Michael Keane. Michael Keane seemed to be very preoccupied with where Godfrey was and what Godfrey was doing in terms of his sort of positioning. So Keane kept getting dragged over far too far over to the left-hand side because yeah. he, he felt that he needed to cover Godfrey in some sort of capacity. So that left Mason Holgate trying to cover over and it, it just completely put us out, all out of whack. And, you know, it, it plays into... What Gav was saying before about the midfield, I don't think the midfield shape helped us at all in terms of these gaps in between uh, the midfield and defence, which particularly Conor Gallagher was able to uh, to exploit very, very easily. Jordan Ayew did it a couple of times, especially in the first half as well. But uh, yeah, I, I really do think there was, there was something weird going on with Michael Keane. I don't know whether he just didn't trust Ben Godfrey in that position or where, I, I don't know what was going on, but he, his position had certainly seemed to have been affected by having Godfrey there rather than Dean. I've never I've never seen Keane so keen <laughs> pardon the pun <laughs> to go over and, and cover that left back role when Luca Dean is playing there. So maybe yeah. subconsciously 
just having somebody who's you know he's Ben Godfrey is obviously adept at, he can play in that position but it's not his natural area of the pitch is it and you know maybe that was subconsciously playing in Michael Keane's head a little bit he knew he didn't have a natural left back next to him so he was thinking to himself oh I might need to go over and cover for a potential Ben Godfrey mistake which I don't think really came during the first half but Michael Keane's positioning was just covering for it anyway and it just kind of it kind of messed up the whole defensive line at that point so you know maybe Benitez is going to have to look at that now and think well even if Luca Dean's not in great form he is a natural left back and if he brings this more sort of natural balance to the back four then he does need to be in the side and you know I've seen a lot of people saying that Luca's been in you know bad form for the last 12 months etc it's not it's not just been with Benitez and I do kind of get that I don't think he's been in bad form I don't think he's been I just don't think he's been at the form that he was yeah, at. Yeah. you know he was in, he was one of the best left backs in the Premier League when he when he first joined Everton wasn't he so he hasn't hit those heights but yeah over over recently I just I just think it's it's got to the position now where he's such a good player you've got to try and let him play through this sort of this sort of bad form I think you if if Benitez is the one coming out and saying oh it's for the good of the team I think it's I think probably Sunday showed it was for the good of the team that Dean comes back in and at least provides that balance yeah. to the back four because I really do think Michael Keane was affected by that and then that just kind of as I say throws throws everything off in the, in, in the defense and you know it kind of it kind of led to Everton's downfall in the end so you know I, I do just hope that you know Dean can continue performing and training. Uh, and you know you, you hope that there's there's some sort of compromise reached. You know if D, if Dean can you know effectively play in that Rafa Benitez style, even if he doesn't agree with it, if he can teach himself to play yeah. a little bit better in that sort of style, I think that would be better for the team. But Benitez has got to give him the opportunity to do that now, which would be better for the team. So it's just it's just that it, it seems very much that they've the club. You know the player and the manager have kind of reached the crossroads at this point, and uh, you know Benitez. It's up to him to try and work through this now. Like this is this is all about his sort of man management with with Luca Dean. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he does with it. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. What have you made of the Luca Dean situation, Pro? It's funny, actually, because I thought on Sunday that was one of the very few things that you could argue the manager got right, because I thought uh, Godfrey was, was was good. I thought he played very well um, and was actually, strangely, really forward-thinking and really positive, you know, the mm. kind of stuff that we would anticipate Luca Dean to be doing. Um, you know, he overlapped with real power and pace and purpose on a couple of occasions and, uh, you know, Strangely, got a good first time left footed crossing, you know. So, I'm normally expecting to check back on his right foot in those situations. Uh, I totally accept that, yeah, that probably did, you know, so sort of play on the mind of you know the players in the middle there and upset the balance a little bit. Uh, but now I, th- I thought Godfrey, you know, so sort of w- was good, but equally, he's going to be good at centre half as well. And you know, I'm still not sure Mason Holgate does worry me sometimes, you know, sort of playing in that position. And the sooner Godfrey is back in there, if Mean is going to be out, you know, so sort of for a longer period than we think. You know, so the better. I think you've just got to try and get your better players in the team, you know, as quickly as you can. And yeah, I don't think Lucas Dean has been playing so badly that he should be left out, you know, on merit. He was obviously left out because he had a row with the manager before the game on Monday. 
Um, his performances haven't been as good as they have been previously, or equally they haven't been as bad as, you know, say, you know, sort of the fullback on the opposite flank. You know, he's not making mistakes. He's just maybe not producing the levels that we had seen previously. And yeah, I'll go with Adam on this. I think he should be allowed to try and play through it and try and return. He's had the kick up the backside that maybe he needed. You know, so now's his opportunity to try and see if he can, you know, sort of deliver again. Although it's, it's a bit unfair on him saying, okay, yeah, I'll bring you back for Stamford Bridge on Thursday. You know, so well, although, you know, so a team who was struggling a little bit on occasions over the last week or two and, you know, so Leeds ran them close at the weekend. So, you know, so maybe, you know, if everybody can produce those Arsenal type performances, who knows? And I'm talking absolute rubbish now. But, um, but no, you know, so I think you've got to get your better players on the pitch. I think the big problem of the weekend was was the midfield balance was just all over the place. I mean, um, and that was largely forced upon him to a degree with Alan, you know, so not being available. You know, so you want to try and you know, so keep things uh, as stable as they had been. And obviously he wasn't allowed to do that. So he had to make a change. And the changes he made didn't really work, did they? And um, it was, well, I'm going to say mess again. Yeah, it was a bit of a mess. But um, as far as Luca Dean goes, I'd like to see him, you know, sort of recalled and allow him to try and rediscover, you know, the form that we know he's capable of. A situation now, Gav, that between the manager and the player, with with the manager, I think it's fair to say, under fire after after recent results. Luca Dean could obviously be be questioning his Everton future. Is it worth losing a player of his of his calibre? What what is your take on the situation? My my take on the situation is I think I, I, I don't view it as a as a conflict between Benitez and Dean. I think it's a conflict about what what a fullback used to do in the olden days and the requirements of a fullback now. Um, you know, and Dean is is a good attacking defender, fullback, and you know he he can defend acceptably well. I won't say top class, which is what you want in a modern fullback. But the the role he's been, if you're playing four four two, he's just got to sit tight, hasn't he, in in the full back position. And I think that's not playing to his strengths. And I would imagine, you know, it, it's that daft thing, isn't it? Now in the modern game, full backs not ju- judged by how good they, they can defend. It's like the count, you know, it's their number of assists, it's the crosses, the chances created, and stuff like that. And people people judge them like that. And I suspect that Dean's beef is the fact that actually the metrics that you uh, measure a fullback now he's not getting that opportunity to be high up on that list because he's being told to play quite defensively in a 4-4-2 and um, so that system is not playing to his strengths and you suspect that that's the that's what the you know the discussion is you know that um, by playing 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 he's not he's not accommodating being strength as a player um, and I think Dean's pushback as well, you know, to get the best out of me, he needs to be playing another system. Ironically, he dropped Dean yesterday and in the 4-3-3, as we've seen with uh, Ben Godfrey, he could have got up the pitch yesterday and played to his stance, which was a bit strange. Um, so I, I think the dispute really being between lines is what Dean's role is, no matter whether he get the best, you know, keep the player field to get the best out of his talent. Um, where that leaves him, I don't know. We, we, I think last time was on last week. It's, is it coincidence that this is sort of two or three weeks before the January transfer window opens? Um, there's, there's, you know, we've spoken, haven't we, as well, that in previous pods that 
to get to spend money, you'd need to sell somebody who's a saleable asset at the, the club. And we've mentioned the Charles and Calvert Lewin Pickford. Not saying that we should sell them, but that's something that maybe needs to happen. You just wonder whether Luca Dean falls, falls into that category. And that Benitez is thinking, well, actually, if I've got an unhappy player who's not happy in the system he's playing, then, you know, I'm prepared to play golf the left back, but use that money to spend, if you sell Dean to sell that, you know, strength of the team elsewhere. But you know, don't know. He would buy Luca Dean and for what fee? Yeah. That, that's the other thing. You've done two or three years ago, you would imagine a number of clubs, but it's 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 sometimes uh, you know it, it, in in January in the middle of a obviously pandemic and stuff. It, it's easy saying sell, but you know you may, as we well know, it's very difficult to offload players, even good players. So it's just, I only use that uh, that word again, mess. Pretty <laughs> hard to do. Who? By all accounts, is a very, very good professional anyway, you know, isn't he? I don't think he's, he's somebody who'll slack off. I think it's just a conflict of personalities. I suspect over the role he's playing in the team. Um, but I don't know. It's just, I, but with Plano, though, I'd play golf. I'd like, I'd golf the centre defence idea and they still play Dean left back. But whether the player managers see that as a sort of work with that, I'm not so sure at the moment. One of the shocking moments yesterday, Adam, was 1-0 down over half an hour to play and number seven went up on the substitute board and Rafa Benitez decided to take off the child. He, he did come out after the game and, and kind of give some context to a, a, a calf complaint that Richardson was struggling with, but the player definitely did not seem like someone who wanted to go off with this calf injury that Rafa Benitez has mentioned that, and that was truly where the the tides from the away end really started to turn against Rafa Benitez. But we've spoken about the the Dean situation there at length. Richarlison, as he was getting substituted, did not seem like someone who was loving playing for Rafa Benitez or Everton. No, and it, it, it's a really weird situation, isn't it? Because we've we've gone from on Monday Richarlison essentially scored a hat trick, didn't he? You know, he was only marginally offside for two of them uh, but <laughs> then we come into we come into Sunday and I, I must say I, I did tweet at the time I did see Richarlison you know, he, he did make it some sort of gesture to his calf like I think maybe 35th minute something like that and he was he was seeming to struggle with it for like a minute or so so maybe you know the manager did see that as well and that's what he's that's what he's asked him about at half time, and you know, Richarlison. You know what Richarlison's like. He's he wants to play every minute of every of every game that's available to him. So he was. I've got no doubt in my mind that he was probably just going to Benitez. No, no, no I'm, I'm I'm fine. I'm fine. Keep me on. Yeah. So then you can see you can kind of see both sides of the argument where Benitez is looking at it and thinking, right, okay, I haven't got Dominic Calvert Lewin available to me. Uh, me, 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 other main striker is feeling some sort of injury. Yeah we're about to you know go for it well I, I don't th- I don't think they did go for it in the last half hour but <laughs> I, pro- I think in Benitez's head he was probably thinking all right we need to go for it for this yeah. for this last half hour to uh, to try and get a point or all three points in in this game was was Richarlison's calf going to be able to handle it and if it if it couldn't we'd potentially be missing them for not just Chelsea but then important games against Leicester you know, you've got to look ahead to the games against Burnley, Newcastle, Brighton as well. You know, if we if if Richarlison was to pick up a calf injury that would keep him out of those games, 
if we weren't able to bring Dominic Calvert Lewin back in time as well, then yeah. we we we'd be in real trouble in some in some crucial games where we need to pick up three points and we we'd be without our two main strikers again. So that's probably what Benitez is thinking about it from the Charleston side of things and from the fans side of things as well. I think. You know, it, it it didn't look as if Richarlison was necessarily struggling with the with this injury in the second half. And yeah, you know, Benitez was saying, "Oh, well, he didn't really show me anything in that first fifteen minutes." Well, nobody gave him the ball <laughs> throughout throughout yeah. his throughout his fifty eight minutes on the pitch. Richarlison got absolutely zero service. Like he was he was coming back out on the wings desperately to try and look for possession. He got absolutely nothing. And I'm not having you know anybody who's saying, "Oh, but Rondon came on and scored." Well, yeah. The ball deflected straight straight into his path two yards out. He used to say Richardson wouldn't have been in that exact same position as yeah. as Rondon if he if he'd not been uh, sitting on the substitutes bench. So yeah, I, I really can see both sides of the argument, and it it I, I can imagine it must be frustrating for Benitez because you know he, he has probably had this conversation with Richardson about his injury, and you know it. it it, it probably doesn't help him that Richarlison has reacted in the way that he has. Yeah. But at the same time, just the act of taking off such an important player, a player who can produce a goal out of nowhere, apart from it's him and Damari Gray, essentially, isn't it? You can pull a goal out yeah. of absolutely nowhere for Everton at the minute. And I do, I do just feel like even, even if Richarlison was 90% fit because of this, you know, calf issue or whatever it was, you know, a ninety percent fit Richardson for the end of that match, I'd take the risk yeah. personally because I I just think he can he he has the ability to produce a goal out of nowhere and imagine he's produced that goal, you know, just just before Conor Gallagher had scored, yeah, and it was two two going into the going into added time or something like that. You know, you, you you don't know what can happen. It can it can be a game changing decision, and then you've got the reaction from the supporters as well, which I think is something that Benitez really should be a lot more concerned about rather than the reaction of. Richarlison, because some of the chants that were coming out of that away end, well, some of them I can't repeat because we are a family po- podcast. <laughs> but uh, they were they were they were very very pointed towards the manager. You know, we we yeah. had we had a lot in the Brentford game uh, that seemed to be you know pointed at the players. Uh, we had obviously a lot at the subsequent derby yeah. against the board. This time, you know, the, there was no doubt that this was this was against the manager and this specific decision from the manager as well. You know, Preno, Preno was saying earlier in the podcast, wasn't he? That you know, th- th- there was there was a lot of fans who didn't want Benitez in the first place, so he was already treading on thin ice a little bit. So the fact that he's what is happening with this noise, by the way? Yeah, no, go on, be done. Go on. Yeah, so. Yeah, he was already treading on thin ice, as I say, and you know the the fact that he's the fact that that has now happened. I, I just think that the cracks of the cracks have shown, and you know there was a lot there was a lot of away fans there who who were who had turned on the manager there. So it's 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 a it's a really it's a really bad situation for Benitez. Like he, it, it's something that he absolutely didn't need, and you know I can see why he, he was frustrated at the end of the game, but. And certainly see why Richardson and the fans were even more frustrated, to be honest. A pretty fair assessment there, Dave, from Adam in that. But is the concern now that I think every ever or most Everton fans can still accept whether you thought Rafa Benitez was the right appointment or not? There are some fires that he's been fighting since he's come into the club, which were not of his making. 
Um, and, and, you know, to be fair to him, you know, only having a million, two million pounds to spend in the transfer market, Damari Gray does seem to be one of the best Everton signings of the of the last few years. But is, is the worry now that he's starting to make these kind of, he's starting to make fires of his own, which are just adding to the overall problem and pushing them into a, a really, really tight corner to get out of? It's been as as modus operandum as a manager, hasn't it? Since since he started, I mean, he does cause conflict uh, because he's absolutely rigid in his beliefs, and there's like no you know sort of wriggle room at all. And I understand the decision uh, regarding Richarlison uh, at the weekend. You know, he was feeling his calf, and every time the camera panned into him in the doghouse, he was uh, feeling his calf and he was rubbing it. So there clearly is an issue there, but. You know, you're trying to pull back a winnable, you know, sort of game, and you're taking off arguably your biggest goal threat. I, I thought that, you know, when Rondon came on, I thought Townsend might have given way or somebody that, you know, we would have actually seen Richarlison playing around Rondon then, and you know, sort of have like a proper threat. But the manager is absolutely adamant about, you know, so sort of he's in charge. He's the man that, you know, sort of wields the discipline, and you know, and he maybe he was trying to, you know, sort of send the point towards Richarlison. Charles is always like that, isn't he? You know, if he comes off like after 85 minutes, he pulls a face, you know, so he's, he's you know, the world's most um, enthusiastic footballer, you know, when it comes to wanting to be, you know, sort of around for every minute of every game. Uh, I don't think he did his manager any favours there whatsoever. But the manager does appear to be picking fights, you know, so with lots and lots of people at the moment when he doesn't need to. Uh, he will argue he does because, you know, he needs to get things right and you could argue he got it right, you know, so with the Ben Godfrey situation and Luca Dean at the weekend. Did he get it right with this one? Well, the result would suggest he didn't, no. Yeah, but when you've got, you know, sort of the hardcore supporters, the most loyal supporters, you know, sort of turning on you, you probably do need to, you know, sort of show a little bit more flexibility in your attitude, you know, and obviously he won't, you know, because, you know, it, it's, it's his way or the highway. You know, it's always been the case and he will continue to do that. It won't worry him about uh, upsetting people because he will do what he believes to be right. Well, that's going to create a fairly grim atmosphere going forward because I mean, best one in the world I can't see is you know getting anything on Thursday evening, and then you've got a 12 noon kickoff on Sunday, you know, which is likely to be a flat atmosphere anyway because of the timing against a really awkward team who's just put four past Newcastle. So it, 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 it's it's grim, you know, it's an opportunity, it's a time when we need unity and togetherness and support, and we're not getting it, we're, we're getting divisions and we're getting you know, so. Sort of, huge big you know sort of fishes in the football club everywhere you look and it's it's a worry it's it's a real real genuine worry the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo bill kenwright was in the stands at selhurst park yesterday gavin although he's no longer the man that ultimately calls the shots his reports back to farhad mashiri probably weren't the most promising today uh no and uh about the performance yeah absolutely i i agree with that i i agree that um i think denise has just probably taken fights where he doesn't doesn't need to to have have them and that's you know talk about coleman's impact on morale with him struggling as a as a captain you know you could argue that the, the morale is similarly impacted if Benitez is picking fights or there's you know public disagreements with two of his two of his best and two of his best players really. Uh yeah, I think the uh, 
the supporters, you know, a chance at the end as well and during the game. It's, they got to, couldn't really pick up on Tally. Um, but also talent, but I don't know what, what to do. I've mentioned before, I mean, I don't think we should be changing managers. I just don't see the point of that. I think we've just got to hold our nerve and, and see this bad, bad run through. And we've got, dare I say, never works out like this after Chelsea, is it, until the end of February, beginning of March, before we play one of the top teams. We've got a decent run of fixtures, hopefully get DCL back. Um, but in the meantime, I thought it was a bit strange that Benitez won yesterday because if, if Richarlison was injured, was he getting treatment on the uh, on the substitute bench or did he just didn't sit look there? like to me? He looked no, like he, he, he just sat there feeling his calf and pulling faces at the camera. <laughs> yeah, I saw somebody going over to him. You, you would think if he was if he had an injury concern where he had to take him off after an hour, wouldn't you think that would be something you know immediate? You know, getting looked at, just a bit of an odd one that. Um, but if he was, if he was not hundred percent fit, I'm not. I think he needs. I'd rather him go off after sixty minutes yesterday and play ninety and miss three games. You know, um, so yeah, I think Bill's report will be about just listening to this podcast really. Adam and Bill's report. Yeah, of the podcast. Yeah, I, you would hope so. Yeah, yeah. I think Cynics would say he needs to listen to a little bit of football expertise, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, you know, what can you say about yesterday? Not a lot, can you, really? A little bit of a flurry at the end. You know, I think any reports of Farhad would be quite uh, quite critical. And, I hope he is reporting back to Farhad because he's just singularly absent all the time from matches. Yeah. I mean, I think Watford was it was the last game he's seen, and that was like one of the very, very few he's seen this season. And even then, he arrived like twenty minutes into the match. I bet he wished he arrived twenty minutes before the end, or you know, so missed the last <laughs> minutes. Um, so, you know, is, is he aware of, of the you know the fans' supporters' sentiment and the fans' you know sort of feelings? We don't know. Yeah. He's never actually there, is he? To actually hear you know sort of what they're saying, which is a worrying state of affairs. I know there are other football club owners that you know sort of manage from afar, uh, but normally because, you know, they're all reviled, you know, like Manchester United and the Newcastle situation that happened. I mean, um, you know, Liverpool FSG out there, you know, still, you know, detractors for a long time. God knows why, given what's happened to that football club over the last few years. Um, but it's a concern, you know, he's, if, it's a strange one with Farhad Mashiri because what he's done with the football club, you know, looks largely positive in terms of finance you know cleared the club debt he's you know we're going to a new stadium because of his money we wouldn't be going to the new stadium without him and yet the decisions he's making you know so sort of football wise have been so damaging and is he aware of the you know so sort of depth of feeling against those decisions i generally don't know if he is you know it's yeah it's, it's a concern well i want to open this one up to the to the room to to finish off but gavin saying there about evan holding the nerve and, and i do think he is right in the sense we cannot continue this trend of of sacking managers. But for for the for the three of you and and kind of thinking about when Ancelotti left, the consensus was Everton just needed some stability to take them towards the new stadium. Is Rafa Benitez, in in your opinions, the man to do that? Is he still the right man to lead Everton forward based on what you what we've seen since the start of the season? 
<laughs> I was going to say, but you're going to see tumbleweed blowing across the air the screen now, aren't you? <laughs> I asked the tough questions, well, Dave. I asked the tough questions. Well, it, it's it, it's a piece that I've written, and you know, by the time this pod, podcast is up, maybe it'll be on the website. It's going going on at some point today, as as we're recording on Monday. But it, it, Ever, Everton managers seem to live and die by their relationship with the fans, yeah. essentially. Uh, and Rafa Benitez, that's why he, he was always just starting on the back foot, wasn't he? Yeah. Because there was, as, as Preno you know, mentioned right at the top of this podcast, you know, there was a lot of Everton fans who uh, who didn't want to see Rafa Benitez take charge of the club. And you know, I think when uh, when the rumours first came out about Benitez, I think on this podcast, I voiced my doubts about whether he would be the man to then take us through to Bramley Mordock because the problem was that as soon as he came up against his first bad run of form, he was already on he was already on such thin ice that it, it was all it always had a chance of cracking through and breaking. And you know that that's why that's why yesterday's game and the the chance the chance against the manager, it felt like a significant moment, especially coming, you know, just you know a couple of weeks or so after Liverpool fans were singing his name in a derby where they battered us at Goodison. Yeah. You know, it's it, 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 it's moments like that where I just keep replaying them in, in my head and I'm like, it's it's going to take something hugely special to try and to try and turn around and to try and repair that relationship with supporters because, as I say, that's where that's where ever, ever managers kind of kind of live. You know, Sam Allardyce was in a I would say probably a similar situation where he was always starting on the back foot, and he could never re- he could never repair that. Yeah, he was gone a few months later, of course, wasn't he? At the at the end of uh, at the end of the 2017-2018 season, uh, pff, I, I would argue that Roberto Martinez probably hung on a little bit longer than he might have done if he hadn't have uh, connected so well with the Everton fans in his first season with the club. You know, he built up such a goodwill and he and he, he bought into the values that Everton fans want to see. That perhaps it bought him a little bit more time when it when it came towards the end of things and. That's that's just the situation that Benitez finds himself in. He finds himself at an absolutely critical point in his managerial tenure. Yeah. Just a few months after taking over, and you're writing what like everybody's writing what they're saying. We can't just keep, we can't just keep going round and round in circles in this in this cycle of appointing managers. But at the end of the day, we've got to appoint the right manager as well. Yeah. And 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 I think you know there were a lot of doubts over. Right at the start of this, over whether Benitez was the right manager, and that and that's why, and that's why we find ourselves in the position we're in right now. So it's a really, really tough ask for him. I'll, 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 I'll say that much. But yeah, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in in the future. Sam, Sam, can I ask a, a question? Yeah, is the more pertinent question: Is this the right set of players to be taking us into Bramley Moor? Well, yeah. And I think this really was coming about when talking about me. He says you can talk about managers all the time and, and all this, but that's that's the that's the question, isn't it? But at the end is, of the day, though, there are a lot a lot of the players who you know are considered quote unquote deadwood at the minute and who are the problem, their contracts yeah. all expire before we get to Bramley Moore. Yeah. Okay. But at, we still at the, got, at we the still very got, least, they will. They won't. They won't take yeah. us into Bramley Moor, will they? Yeah. The, the, Whereas Benitez was always meant to be the man who was. Yeah. There's still there. players. There's still players are there who are still contacted to the next eighteen months at least, isn't it? Hmm. 
yeah. of a large quarter. I mean, I would imagine most of the players on that pitch yesterday, bar maybe one or two, are contracted to 23, 24, or do something like that, you know? Mm. Um, and that, that's the more pertinent point to me. I, I think all the, and I get all the stuff about the board, and I get all the stuff about the manager. I think the players have got off lightly over the last month. To be honest with you, I mean there was some shocking defensive errors yesterday, and I think I think I think the players have not had the scrutiny that they they deserve. We've mentioned some of it, haven't we? Lack of leadership on the pitch, nobody taking responsibility, you know, all that type of stuff. I I wouldn't disagree with that. We just need to look at. Was it this time, Boxing Day, this time last year, you know, where we were right, was it second or third on the table with like, you know, a similar group of players? Maybe the players are suffering because of the constant managerial upheaval, you know, so it changes every 12 months or every 18 months. And another set of ideas, another set of, you know, another plan, another methodology. And, you know, maybe their heads are like absolutely swirling. Maybe I'm being too kind to them there, I don't know, because there have been some very, very poor performances, you know, so over the last, you know, six weeks. It was only how long ago, you know, after the, the draw at Old Trafford, that, you know, the, the season was looking okay. Everybody was looking yeah. quite optimistically. So things have, yeah. like, you know, fallen off really, really badly over the last two or three months. Is that down to the players? Is that down to the manager? Is that down to the injuries that we've had? Is it a combination of all four? Bottom line is, you know, the recruitment has been abysmal over the last, uh, you know, sort of four or five years. And, you know, maybe all these pigeons are finally coming home to roost now. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to our to our venting there over the last therapy <laughs> session. This, it? Was. I'm, an, I'm an unlicensed therapist <laughs> for anyone listening to this podcast. But as usual, thank you so much for listening. It's the Echo Sports Christmas night out tonight. So Preno, Preno's going to go and get himself spruced up. I've heard. I've, I've heard all rounds are on Preno tonight. I've also I've heard he's. I've yeah. heard that, and I've also heard he's doing nine minutes on the sunbeds before he comes out, <laughs> making himself look, look gorgeous for me. Zero, so we'll be back later on in the week, hopefully with a more positive podcast. Once again, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow the Royal Blue Podcast group to give us some questions and add your thoughts, and you can also follow all the guys on t- Twitter. But before we do go, pro, where are you up to on the excellent new book? From Gavin Buckland and how's it going? You're talking about therapy, you know, so reading about everything in the 1970s isn't exactly therapeutic either. Um, <laughs> I, I, I got through another chapter last night. Um, um, and great, excellent work, Gavin, like so thoroughly enjoying it, even though it does bring home a few, a, a few grim memories and lots of things that I wasn't aware of as well. I mean, I'm up to the, uh, the Mickey Walsh period, Mickey Walsh the striker, not Mickey Walsh the, uh, the defender. Uh, Steve Walsh's brother, bizarrely. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. And um, it is, it's, I managed to get through the Clive Thomas chapter without, you know, causing any too much self harm. Uh, but no, it, 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 it's it's great. And I know it ends well, you know. So, unlike what's happening at Everton at the moment, I do know that the book finishes positively. So, you know, now I'm thoroughly enjoying it, Gav. And uh, like I say, I'll, I'll, I'll review properly, you know, so when, when I've, you know, when I've completed the book, which might take me a, a few more days, yes. But yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. Totally good stuff. Recommended. We'll, we'll wait for our free signed copy to come through mm, the post. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Fingers crossed. Christmas Day. That's what I'm. That's what's under the tree for me. <laughs> 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 
So thank you so much for listening. And if you are about in Warstones or online, do pick up a copy of Gav's book. Thank you so much for listening. We've been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.